Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Mike Forrest wins the Jarrett Birmingham Bowl. And your biggest heartbreak. Jim Grobe is the coach of the year. Riley Skinner is the rookie of the year. And the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest are the Atlantic Coast Conference champions. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Touchdown, Wake Forest. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. The gift that keeps on giving is that intro. Here we go, folks. This is the West and Walker, West and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, and it is Team Week continuing on with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and we're going to talk about the defense. This is one of the units that definitely has kept Wake from maybe some of the greatness they could have reached, I would say, because Wake has had to win a lot of shootouts, quite frankly, because the defense has given up a lot of points. And in 2022, this unit was 11th in the ACC in scoring defense, giving up around 28 points per game. 12th in pass efficiency defense, only mustering seven interceptions, was tied for 12th in the league. They were 10th in turnover marching, which is usually a Wake Forest staple. They forced 29 turnovers in 2021 and only 16 turnovers they forced last year. They had a four-game stretch in which the defense failed to force any of those. They were 11th in opponent first down. So this is a unit that definitely needs to get this thing together in 2023 if they really want to make some noise in the ACC. We talked about the offense and how great they have been as far as scoring in prolific fashion year after year, especially under Coach Ruggiero. So Walker, do you think that this is the year with only four returning starters on that side of the ball, that this Wake defense can show some improvement and kind of be at least in the same world as the offense. This was, this is one of those situations where even if you don't have a lot of returnees, the returnees that would come anyway were coming from a bad situation last year. Mm-hmm. It's not like that was a great defense. It's not like you want all those guys back helping you out if they weren't fantastic players. They went from forcing the 29 turnovers in 2021 you were talking about to only creating 16 last year. And I think Wake Forest, Brad Lambert, defensive coordinator, they feel they need to generate more pressure. So now you're looking at somebody like Jasheen Davis. He's a fourth-year DE, speed rush kind of guy that is poised to become perhaps the next big thing on that defensive line, maybe giving you a Duke edgy of four type of production. That would be great to see if he was able to do that this year. And that's really going to help on the back end because Kalen Carson has all ACC potential at cornerback, but he missed five games last season because of an injury. You also have some really nice safety depth. Wes, if you can get any kind of pass rush, I don't think it's this monster gap that they have to make up, right? Can you just 
get better at generating pressure, and then let your talented secondary do the rest of the work. Okay, cover, you, you can maybe get some coverage sacks so they can really help the defensive line a little bit more so. That's going to be the recipe for success. And I like Brad Lambert as a defensive coordinator. I, I do. I think he did a good job building a foundation of this defense right before he left Charlotte and then moving on. I believe he made a stop at Purdue and then went back to Wake Forest after he spent some time there before. So what do you think about Brad Lambert and what he can do with this defensive side of the ball? Well, you look at what he's done and obviously last year wasn't his best work there, but he still had some pretty solid seasons in Winston-Salem. He's produced some award-winning defensive players, so you know the development is there, but he did continue a stretch last season of teams that he has fielded, defenses that he has fielded with 30-plus sacks and 85-plus tackles for loss three times in four seasons. He's done that. He had Kobe Turner, Rondell Bothroy, Ryan Smender, and Jasheen Davis. They all earned all ACC honors. So uh, he's been able to coach these guys to be able to be productive in some facet. And then in his prior stint, he had five winning seasons in his 10 years. Of course, being on that coaching staff in 2006 that won the ACC championship and produced Aaron Curry, a Buckus Award winner. Also, Alfonso Smith, uh, who's the ACC's all-time leader in interception. So uh, this is a guy that I think this is going to be a key year for him. Definitely, he's going to have to bounce back. There are so many areas uh, that they need to improve upon it uh, amongst all the ones that I mentioned as well. You add on to that too, you know, 11th in the ACC and third down conversion defense. That's so key. You have to be able to get off of the field, but they've also got some help coming from the transfer portal. Uh, you mentioned some of the other key starters coming back, but Chase Jones is going to be big for them. He was second on the team in tackles. He had 74 of those. Malik Mustafa is the guy. Got to get him to stay healthy. He's out of Weddington High School. He's a local kid, but he is a really good player. Dynamite in a small package. Uh, he is. Talk about Shaylen Garns at safety as well. You talked about that safety depth, but coming from Villanova, 6'2", 280 pounds on the interior of that defensive line. Bryce Ganeas, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he had 58 tackles, 4 sacks, and 10 TFLs over the last two seasons. And the next great Wake linebacker just might be Jacob Roberts. Coming out of North Carolina A&T, from the transfer portal, this guy is a monster. Okay, he had over, he had 218 tackles, nine and a half sacks, 29 and a half tackles for loss at North Carolina A&T. So this looks to be a guy that you can pair with Chase Jones, and he's definitely going to help shore up that defense right away. So Wake, they can get to the quarterback. They were top seven at least in the ACC in that. But then you get a guy like Jacob Roberts coming in. You get the transfer, Ganias from Villanova. Hopefully he can replace and be almost as productive as Kobe Turner was because Kobe Turner was a third-round pick of the L.A. Rams out of Wake Forest. So hopefully they've got some pieces there that they can build on and some of these new guys step in and can become superstars because that's going to be the key, especially in a conference with the quarterback talent that the ACC has. You're going to have to have a defense that can at least, at a minimum, be opportunistic. That's what you want to look for. If you can't have a defense that can get stops consistently like a Clemson, you at least want to have a defense that can be opportunistic, and that's what Wakes was the year they went to the ACC championship just a couple years ago where they lost to Kenny Pickett and Pitt. You threw a lot of players out. You talked about the linebacker spot. That's what I want to focus on because you already brought up Jacob Roberts with that transfer coming in from NCANT. Mm -hmm. I bring up Brad Lambert, how much faith I have in him defensively, but they also have Glenn Spencer. 
when he built that coaching staff in Charlotte, what Brad Lambert did his last season, that's the guy that I look to and remember what he was able to force with Jawan Foggy, who was a hybrid type of guy. I think had five interceptions that season. You had some talent on that side of the ball, like hello Alex Highsmith, who just got paid as one of the best edge rushers in all of football. Glenn Spencer did a great job putting those guys at the right spot. So I guarantee you, Lambert is listening to Glenn Spencer and how they want to call the defense. Now you're talking about some actual talent, whether it be at linebacker and forcing takeaways, having guys that can go all over the field, not just get into the backfield, but also work in coverage, whether it be a tight end or whether it be somebody coming over the middle in a zone type of package. Love what Glenn Spencer and Brad Lambert can do on the defensive side, especially with some more talent coming in. If we want to roll in with just one more Brad Lambert quote, he talked about one of the guys that stood out so far, Wes. Mm-hmm. He said this, quote, probably the guy on the back end who's helping us the most right now is Deshaun Jones. The last four games last year really came on for us, and we're playing well this spring. We're trying to build depth at defensive tackle, trying to build depth at corner. We have two guys there who we believe can really play in Deshaun and Kalen Carson. Behind that, that's where we're building some depth with younger players. That's going to be the key. So if you have two corners that you believe in, We just talked about Carson potentially being all ACC. If Brad Lambert is telling you Deshaun Jones is the guy helping him most, and you have Carson on the other side, now you're talking about some of these transfers coming in and generating more pressure defensive line-wise. Wes, I'm a believer. I'm trying to figure out the unit that we break down with some of these teams throughout Team Week. And this is the first Power 5 unit we've had, but I've been pretty optimistic with most of them. I'm trying not to be Homer for every college football Uh program in the Carolinas, but I do. I have some optimism with some of these units that we've dissected, whether it be offense or defense, and I'm the same way with this defensive side of the ball when it comes to Wake Forest. I believe in the coaching staff that's there. I know them a lot better than I know other coaching staffs that we've dissected, but also if you have some of the talent that's coming in, we know Dave Clawson certainly is someone that you can depend on. I think that this is going to be a defensive unit that finally catches up or gets close closer to the offensive unit maybe gets back to creating turnovers even if they're just average at that like you mentioned wake force is going to be a tough out every single week just like they've always been well especially too i know we go and pick the schedule later in the week but when you look at it from a defensive perspective they get some tune-ups to start the year when you talk about elon they'll play vanderbilt which obviously sec team but we're not talking alabama here oh dominion and georgia tech before you have to go to clemson but then hopefully they'll be rounding into shape by the time that back half of that schedule because you got to face Jordan Travis. You have to chase uh, you have to go up against Riley Leonard. You have to go up against Brennan Armstrong and oh yeah a familiar face Sam Hartman also will be on that schedule as well late in the season and then you close out with Garrett Schrader and the Syracuse Orange. So this defense is definitely going to have to get into shape because uh, they're going to be tested especially late in the season when you could be looking for bowl wins and your defense is going to have to be at their best going up against some of the more premium quarterbacks in the league. Can I give you an X factor? Okay. If we're going to look at the defensive line if creating pressure is the biggest thing you need this defense to do Can I give you a Kendron Wayman as the guy that's going to be the X factor? Brad Lambert talked about how he, along with Jasheen Davis, are going to be keys. But what they want to do is get Jasheen Davis in a bunch of one-on-one situations. It's important that we use him. This is from Brad Lambert again. Quote, it's important we use 
uh, Jasheen Davis and put him in as many good positions as possible. We don't want to tie him down in double team situations because we want him one-on-one as much as we possibly can. So if you worry a little bit about Kendron Wayman on the other side and you can't focus just on Davis on the other, I think that's going to be a monster, monster production level for him if he's able to prove to be effective this upcoming season. Yeah, Jasheen Davis is going to be a guy, though, hopefully he can take it up another level as well because that's going to help. He had seven sacks last year, 14 tackles for loss. Man, you would ideally like to see that sack number double, but you at least want to see him get into the double-digit range and then get those tackles for loss up just a little bit more And 14's already a good place to start. 14 is a great place to start, and so this is a Wake Forest team. I remember somebody asked me uh, a couple years ago, we were talking about Clemson and Wake Forest, and that's when Wake had Boogie Bash, and they ended up being a second-round pick. I forgot about Boogie, yeah. Yeah, and so you talk about the difference between the teams. I said Wake gets a Boogie Bash, and once every five, ten years. I said Clemson has eight of those guys, eight or nine of those. And so that's the thing you always worry about with Wake. When we do get a good pass rusher like a Jasheen Davis, do they have a guy on the other side to help him out? And so Kendron Wayman, that's going to be where his number's called. And so hopefully he can step up and give Wake a guy on the other side that teams have to worry about as well. So. B-Money wrote in on the text line, Walker, your homerism is giving me Chris McLean vibes, crying face <laughs> emojis. I'm not, this is who I am. I am trying to be objective going in and then react to the information that I come across and I feel good about Wake Forest defense. We got a lot of Power 5 schools to go to though. So I, who knows? Maybe I'm not as happy or as confident as some of these other units that we're going to dissect in future team weeks. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. So we're Hmm. going to come back on the Wesson Walker show. We're going to talk about more Carolina Panthers. Frankie Louvu, is he the steal of the century? That and more. This is the Wesson Walker show sports radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sometimes doing this job means you have to work through adversity. I was going through a tough moment in the last segment. At 1 o'clock, sneakers notified me of a shock drop. (laughs) The white cement Air Jordan 4s. I was ready for them, man. It's the one pair of shoes that I have been wanting to get since I bought my last pair of Jordans. Because I'm into the game, I hit it heavy right off of the bat. I got a couple of pair of Jordans, and I bought like... I mean, it was kind of ridiculous when I first started to get a lot more shoes and started to overhaul my collection or lack thereof. Probably got like eight pair or something like that. I was on a frenzy. Chilled out for a little bit, but these were the pair. This was the pair I was looking at. And immediately at 1 o'clock, put my submission in, loading, verifying, buffering, loading, verifying. Sorry, not going to be able to do it. 
awful. Sneakers told me. And I was in there at 1 o'clock. Boom. Refreshing. I was ready for it. And I, I'm glad that I won the Jordan 3s that I did on the Sneakers app when mm-hmm. I first got into it. Still my favorite pair of shoes of all time. But this is the one because I've been looking for 4s quite a bit. Yeah. Gonna have to get on it when it drops again because this was the shock drop. And as I know now, and I didn't know six months ago, but as I know now, they'll give you the shock drop and then they'll do the actual drop. And so that's gonna be my next bet. I'm hoping to get them the you next You should look time. for some raffles too. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, you gotta look for some raffles, man. Um, they'll have it to where you can enter them for that shoe. You just type in that shoe, put raffle, you'll find okay. it. it'll probably be a few stores that'll have them. Mm-hmm. You just enter them, that gives you another chance as well that you could end up winning them uh, through that. And so I, I'm also going to bring up Fiddy and how frustrated I am with him. I think you're frustrated as well. Yeah. because He doesn't really want the shoe. I, at the beginning of the show, well, I mean, tell me if I'm lying. Well, you, you probably will say that I'm lying, even though you're lying. Fiddy at the beginning <laughs> of the show today said that he's really disappointed that he didn't get the University Blues. We know this, right? This was an endeavor that yeah, we took on. Yeah, the UNC told joints. We yeah. took this on as a show. Mm-hmm. We all wanted to make sure that he could get these. And he was, uh, I don't know, don't have as much money, don't know if I want to spend it on that. Wes, it's really your fault. Let's call it what it is. And now there is a chance for you to, right now, go get the University Blues. For only 20 bucks above retail, which is pretty good. If I know anything about this game, which is not very much, but it's pretty good. And yet 20 bucks over retail, which you won't get again. You won't, he won't get retail price ever again. Right. I mean, Uh, no, I mean, this is going to be about the best. You know somebody that has them and they sell them to you for that. No, you will not. Fiddy, it just, I want you to be able to get what you want. And you've been talking about this. I mean, like every three days. Oh yeah. No, but you're acting like, I don't want to buy the shoe. You know, do it. Send me the link. I don't I don't know what site it's on. You just said, hey. He doesn't know what site it's on. We he, said StockX like 40 times. Like he doesn't have a link in the group chat. Right. Then I send him a link, and he's like, well, you know. But then uh, you said you were going to go check another site, so I don't no. know if you have found another site for cheaper. Well, like He is good, man. I, well, he, he tries. is good. No, to the untrained <sighs> ear, he is very good. Yeah. If you know him, mm-hmm. then you already know the BS is coming. But. Well, because when Fiddy goes, well, you know, or he has this pause. Mm-hmm. You know, when he pauses, you know, there's something going on in that brain of his. And it's probably not going to be truthful, what genuine. Ab- what about y'all get him for me as a gift to me? Like Jordan said in uh, Wolf of Wall Street, unload the dog. <laughs> oh, God, I got a little nervous there. No. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought Wes was about to get dropped. Sound like you put a J at the end of that more so than I thought you were going to say the actual curse word. Yeah. Can you not spend 230 bucks on me, please? That's what he right, was asking. Right. Can you spend 230 mm-hmm. That's hey, what look, you want. You know, um, that, that would take care of my birthday, which is in September. Christmas, which is in December. Fiddy, what'd you get me for my birthday? Better yet, what'd you get me for my birthday? Yeah. Would love to know any one of those, by the way. Didn't I take like two weeks off to go to the afternoon? <laughs> During Wes's birthday? Not mine. I don't know. Uh, and then, uh, you know what I got for my birthday? Him telling me that I was in the hole still because of the boss of Bueller's. <laughs> That's what I got for my birthday. Here, celebrate, Walker. Congratulations. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Let's move on. Let's talk about some Carolina Panthers where Frank Reich had a pretty... Strong statement on one of the players on the defensive side of the ball. Here's Frank Reich on Frankie Luvu. Frankie's so unique. That guy, he has so much energy, such a good player, so versatile. I was talking to Scott the other day, and I said, how, you know, how do we end up with this guy? You know what I mean? Man, this was like the steal of the century. Love his leadership, love his plays, consistency, his aggressiveness. We're in a good place with Frankie. 
My question is, does Scott Fitterer feel great about this comment from the head coach or is Scott Fitterer doing the whole, hey, shh, man, we got to pay him a lot more money. Don't gas him up. We got to pay Derek Brown. We got to pay Brian Burke. Shh, yeah. Frank, come on. What are you doing? Yeah. Guys, payday is coming. No doubt about it. Alongside Derek Brown, Brian Burns. I expect Luvu to come third in that list if we were to rank them chronologically. But Frankie Luva was going to get a big-time payday because the dude, he's very good at football. Well. Oh, no question about it. I mean, since 2000, one of three players with at least 19 tackles for loss and 100-plus tackles in the same season, only Levante David and Luke Keekley did that. Okay, then he also had a pick six to boot and seven sacks. So those are big-time numbers. They got great value out of him. I definitely think he's one of the top three to four Panthers on defense, however you want to rank them, whether you want to go Brian Burns, Derek Brown, J.C. Horn, and then Luvu, or if you want to put Luvu ahead of J.C. Horn just because uh, J.C. Horn's availability as far as health is concerned. But this is a guy, he's uber productive for Carolina. It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusted going inside in that 34 defense. But again, like you said, this is something that that agent's going to say, hey, hey. You heard what your coach said, especially yeah. if he comes out and has another season like what he did last year. Uh, this is a guy that I'm sure Ezra Evero is going to enjoy being able to deploy in multiple uh, in multiple ways in this defense because he can run like the wind. The guy hits. He's ultra aggressive. And so we know coverage uh, struggles just a little bit there. But as far as just being a menace in and around the line of scrimmage, that is Frankie Louvu. And so if he has another season like what he had this year, man, it's going to be tough to probably keep him because of the other guys that you have to pay. It just depends where you want to go with the money. But this is a guy, Big Oose, as they call him, that's going to command a high salary, whether it is here or elsewhere. Frankie Louvu saying, what are you going to give me for my birthday? I want the bag. That's what I want (laughs) for my birthday. Speaking of Frankie Louvu. He was compared to Jeremy Chin yesterday. In fact, Willie P filling in for the Kyle Bailey show. You can hear him again filling in for Kyle out at the doghouse in honor of FanFest taking place later on. Jeremy Chin, Frankie Louvu, both guys are going to be very versatile within this defense. That's what you expect their roles to be. But Aaron Schatz joined Willie P. Football outsiders, very heavily involved in advanced stats. If you want to be a football nerd and you want to listen to somebody that shares that love and that affinity of football nerddom, Aaron Schatz is towards the top of that list. He joined Willie P. to discuss who he would choose long-term if he had to between Frankie Louvu and Jeremy Chen. It's tough because Louvu did have that breakout year, but the general belief of, you know, things that we've learned in analytics is that off-ball linebackers are probably the easiest to replace players on a defense. I mean, obviously what Louvu brought with pass rushing was, was very special, but um, you know, Chin is sort of unique in his ability to move around and play a lot of positions. So if I was going to, you know, favor keeping one of them after this year, you could only keep one of the two, I probably would go with Chin. That was a very meek take, though, mm-hmm. right? Like he was trying to figure out which player he would rather have. Frankie Luvu in his role, more productive last year. Jeremy Chin still have all, has all the ability in the world. I don't think there's any doubt about what he was able to show his rookie season. We've gone over it time and time again. Very meek, but if you force him to choose, it would be Frankie Luvu, or it'd be Jeremy Chin, excuse me. I imagine if that same question was posed to you, you would go with Luvu in this scenario. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, ooh-wee, that's tough because if you get Chan in there and you're able to be super versatile with him and he's just making plays all over the field, that is going to be tough. But if I've got a linebacker that's that productive, I definitely believe in building in those trenches first and foremost. So, yeah, he probably would be a guy uh, that I would look at. I mean, there's some outside linebackers making some big money. I mean, you look at guys and some of those salaries. I don't know if he's going to be able to command what those guys are, but I mean, you look at some of the guys like uh, uh, Alex Highsmith uh, would be a barometer for that with him getting a $68 million But this is where deal. we've had this. It's not going to be the same, though, like because Alex Highsmith is an edge rusher. I know we're talking about outside linebacker, that but, is. but the pay is different. Like, we, we can agree, if you want to call him a linebacker, fine, but the pay for what they do, that is always going to be different. Yeah, but when his agent comes to the table, he's going to say, well, look, you know, especially now, obviously – uh, he had more sacks than he, he did. If double. he puts together two consecutive seasons of 100-plus tackles, over seven sacks, and those TFLs stay where they are, I mean, you're going to be looking at at least, I would say, in the realm of $40, $50 million for totality of the deal. I don't know what the guarantee will be looking like. You're probably talking 20 something like that, maybe a little bit less than that. But you're going to have to pay him something substantial. Aaron Schatz. And his opinion on off-ball linebackers being the easiest to replace, it's not a unique take. We've talked about linebackers. I guarantee you people within the analytics departments of their NFL franchises feel very similar. I do think Luvu is a little abnormal in that regard because he is very versatile. I want to keep all of them. Of course I want to keep all of them. I wonder if there is a way where you pay Derek Brown, Brian Burns, J.C. Horn's contract is certainly coming up after his rookie contract is over and done with. What are you going to do there? The health is still a concern. So if it happens again, that's when it really gets dicey on how much money he's going to get. Jeremy Chin, you have to make that conversation or you have to make that decision right now. So with the Luvu stuff, he's not going to get close to Highsmith money, in my opinion, just because Highsmith, even if you wanted to compare them as edge rushers, Highsmith had what, like 14 and a half sacks last year. Mm -hmm. So almost double what Luvu did. But Luvu is versatile and can help you in a lot of different ways. And so that's why I think, yeah, you probably are talking about a different off-ball linebacker with him than you are with the average off-ball linebacker. It's going to be fascinating. There's a lot of tough decisions to make. And it's why when I heard him talking about it between Chin and Luvu and just knowing some of the other guys we frequently discuss, it makes me feel a lot more confident in defense this year. I think they're going to take off, especially with the defensive coordinator. But after Aaron Schatz talked about those two guys, he also said that he expects Carolina's defense to be average, but J.C. Horn could change that. They really did decline last year. They were 25th in our ratings on defense last year. We have them better than that in our projections for this year. We have them as an average defense. I know, obviously, if certain players hit, they're going to be better than that. I mean, the one who really comes to mind is J.C. Horn because you just haven't seen as much of Horn on the field as you really want to, but you know the talent is there. So if he hits, this defense could definitely be better than that. I mean, one precept that we always talk about with football analytics is defense is harder to project than offense. So, like, the odds that their defense is surprisingly good are better than the odds that their offense is surprisingly good. My, also, I want to know how much of two years ago goes into two years in the future type of projection because he talked about how much they dropped off last season. Mm-hmm. That's why it feels weird when you go back and look at some of their rankings. It is worse than you probably expected, at least when you go check in the box score and some of the NFL rankings. But then you go two years ago, and they were top 10 in some of those categories. 
it's very similar to what we have with the Charlotte Hornets conversation, except in a very different level with Carolina, where, all right, we can't compare this year's Charlotte Hornets team to last year because of all the injuries, but you can two years ago. I feel that same way about the Carolina Panthers defense. Don't know if you want to compare them to last year, especially with everything going on. They were awful, especially with that coaching staff. But can you go back to two years ago and get something similar there? Hassan Reddick was opposite of Brian Burns. Big missing piece, but also Luvu was not as good two years ago as he was last year. And now you're bringing in a defensive coordinator that had so much success like a Jero Averro. I, I think they're going to be better than an average defense this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because, as I said, for one, they're going to have to get those sack numbers up in the bottom quarter of the league in that. And so they got to find another guy because you just said it. Hassan Reddick was on the other side of Brian Burns that season when they were top 10 uh, in a few categories last year. Again, this defense, 19th in scoring defense, 22nd in yardage defense, total defense. So uh, Evero definitely got his work cut out for him, and this is one of those units. Obviously, with anything in pro football, the injury bug is going to have to treat you right, but Brian Burns for sure is a guy in that front seven. You obviously cannot afford to lose because I think this would hurt the progress of this defense significantly uh, when you talk about the areas that they need to improve because not only because of what he can do in his production, but just how much he's going to free up things to everybody else. He's a marked man uh, by NFL offenses when they come in to play Carolina. So it's going to be also how much he helps Luvu, how much he helps whoever takes that other uh, outside linebacker spot in that defense. So that's going to be uh, vital for them. But do I think that they'll be an average defense or better than average? I'm going to go on a limb and, and say because, and I, I guess you couldn't necessarily say a limb, but I think with Evero coming in, I, I think that they'll be a little bit better than average. Uh, I, I could see that, especially with an advantageous schedule, uh, not a ton of, of tremendously talented quarterbacks that they'll have to deal with. They get some rookies and things of that nature. So I also think the schedule can help them uh, climb up in those rankings as well. If they're average, then does that mean Jero Vero didn't do his job? I mean, if you bring him in with this kind of talent and you have pillars in different position groups mm -hmm. and they're just an average defense, to me, I don't feel like a Jero Vero got the most out of that. What unit. number are you talking like when you say average. Well, anywhere. So what? I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be anywhere exactly at 16. What, 12, 13. So if you're anywhere from 13 to 19, anywhere in that range. I mean, 19, hell, that's below and average. Scoring defense point. or yards or both. I mean, I'm just. No, I'm just trying to, to figure out it, so I can formulate my well, Like answer. whatever you want to go with, right? Okay. Like if, if you want to put all of the stats into one, mm -hmm. have some kind of catch-all representative, mm -hmm. does it come out to average? If that's the case, then to me, that would signify that Averro did not live up to the hype of coming over as the defensive coordinator, especially as a guy who did what he did last year with Denver mm -hmm. and someone that was getting head coaching looks from the very franchise that hired him to be the D.C. Uh, I would go, I think if they get anywhere from 14 to above in both categories, I think he's definitely done his job. That would be a significant improvement from 22nd in yards and 19th in points allowed. So I would go uh, anywhere from 14 and up. But if he can get them into that just shy, even just shy of top 10 where they get into that 11-12, and obviously top 10 is going to be phenomenal. But I would say anywhere from 14 and up, he's done his job. Yeah, and I guess there's even levels to that because if you're finishing right at base level expectation, then does that mean he's going to be pursued as a head coach if the defense was 14th? There's talent here. 
I, that's what I was hearing Aaron Schatz talk about Luvu or Jeremy Chin. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the defensive lineman that you're going to invest in. I think Shaq Thompson is an above average linebacker. He's not a star. I think people have held that against him because he's not Thomas Davis, Luke Keekley. Just go down the list of fantastic LBs with this franchise. But Shaq Thompson is someone that I trust. I trust him out there on the football field. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have JC Horn and Dante Jackson out there, of course, we got to do the healthy thing, which it gets annoying. But of course, it's such a big part of that secondary. And you bring in Von Bell, mm-hmm. opposite pass rusher. That's the thing not to like. Mm-hmm. If everybody's healthy, opposite pass rusher is the thing not to like. Everywhere else, Wes, that's a good enough team to be in the top 10. At least in my opinion, pass rush is no small thing. I'm 100%. I get it. But if you can manufacture some pass rush, especially if Derek Brown is going to be helping you out on an mm-hmm. odd man front. Yeah. Tell me what I'm missing, that this team can't be top 10. Well, I think, though, the the thing that you have to look at, like I said, Derrick Brown, to me, is a natural three technique. So him moving out there to defensive end, he's going to have different responsibilities. So I don't know if the production will be quite as high. He'll be able to do a lot of things that won't show up on the stat sheet, but I don't know if that's going to result in people looking at him on a game-by-game basis and saying, wow, you know, he's really a dominant football player. Then you go to the opposite pass rusher, you already – address that one. So that's going to be a vital piece to the puzzle as well. Luvu going inside from being an off-ball linebacker. That's going to be a different animal because he's going to have to deal with the big offensive lineman on a lot more regular basis. And again, he's going to have different responsibilities, especially primarily with being a run defender. Then you got there to the secondary. Again, I already told you, I'm not a big fan of Dante Jackson, so I think he's the weak link in the secondary. So I think teams can pick on I him, agree make with that, plays on him. Of the starters. And then you talk about Von Bell. Yeah, we like the veteran leadership that he's brought so far, but this is still a guy that had a 66 grade from PFF last season. So it's not like we're bringing in uh, you know, a guy that, that's a, a phenomenal, great, a safety. He's a, he's a good vet that hopefully can bounce back from having a not so – fantastic year in Cincinnati last year. So I think that this defense definitely has some holes that you can poke in. And Jeremy Chin, we still don't know what he's going to bring to the table. You're hoping, you're wishing that he's going to return to that rookie year form. But that rookie year form was still a few years back. So even if he is used in a way uh, similar to that, is can he play like that still, though? So we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know. So I think there are some things there. I mean, they've got a chance. But to get up into that top ten, man, Ooh, that's that's he's if he gets them into the top 10, it will be a tremendous coaching job because that means he's going to get every ounce out of these guys that you could ask for. Well, I mean, and you just took a glass half empty approach on every single one of those propositions that you mentioned. Sure. I mean, every single but it's one what of them. we've seen from these guys. Though. I mean, I mean, some I mean, Derek Brown, you're taking the glass. And, and at, at that point, if you're talking about different production at that point, that's on the coach. Like, if you put Mm -hmm. Derrick Brown in a different position Mm -hmm. than what he was successful at last year, who's the problem? Who? It's not Derrick Brown, Mm -hmm. who was real good last year. You Mm -hmm. put him in a different spot, and now he falls off? I can agree with that. Who's that on? I can agree with that. You know, and plus, if we're not going to go, if we're going to do multiple stuff here, if we're doing multiple base packages, which is what Averro has been preaching, Mm -hmm. then there's going to be plenty of snaps for Derrick Brown to be in something familiar. And if Jeremy Chin and Frank, Frank Luvu last year... If you're going to put him in a different role mm-hmm. and he falls off, who's that on? That's the thing I'm surprised <laughs> like, about is the fact that they bumped him inside. I thought that he would have been the guy on the other side of Burns. Who knows, man? I, I believe in Avero, by the way. Like mm-hmm. I'm, We're talking about the hypothetical if it doesn't work out. We're going with the Aaron Schatz projection, football outsiders, advanced stats. But even Schatz, he's telling you. 
Defense is hard to project. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how much math you're you're mathing. It's hard to project, and so we'll see what happens this upcoming season. Sorry, Fitty. Don't have enough time for the flash. <laughs> but you Let's, get a segment next segment. You do. You know, we, we got to balance the scale out here. It's Fitty Favorites coming up next. ACC Stadium, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We had to skip the Fitty Flash, but it's because we're giving them an entire segment before we move on to the last hour. I feel like you've done this before, but it doesn't matter. We can just go ahead and repeat some stuff on the radio. ACC Stadiums. Let's lead it off, Fitty. Number five, your best, your favorite ACC Stadium. What's fifth on the list? Number five. All right, as I get my paper over here. Um, So number five for me, this is... uh, this is going to make a rival fan base happy and my own fan base mad. Mm. But I did put Carter Finley number five. I'm surprised about that. Why it, is Carter Finley number five? I mean, you know, look, as as many times as Carolina's gone there in big time moments uh, over the last couple of years, uh, two years ago, I think it was on Black Friday, they played the season finale there. Their environment Despite having the boringest head coach in the conference and Dave Doran, their environment it has gotten really good over the years. I hate it. I absolutely hate going there. Um, but it's gotten better, and they've got one of the better underrated environments, in my opinion, in all of college football. Wes, let's go to somebody in this room that's actually played in these stadiums before. Yeah. What say you on Carter? Yeah, Finley? no, I agree with them 100%. I actually got hurt in that stadium, too. One of those where everybody had to get quiet and you had to get up and everybody clap for you. I, I hated it, but... Uh, did you yeah. flip them off once they all clap for you? <laughs> no, I did not. But no, I, I agree with him. They do have one of the more raucous environments. Their fans will tell you how they feel when you're over there on the sideline and things of that nature. So, yeah, I would agree with that. And it's a nice stadium, too. They've done a lot of upgrades. So if NC State is number five on a list that you are reluctantly putting them on, does mm-hmm. that mean you really feel like they're top three more so than top five? No. I mean, I think they're they're properly rated like where they are going to finish in the conference, not in the top two, not in the top three on the outside looking in. Okay. Very good. What's next on the list? Number four. Number four. Before um, another stadium that I hate, it's Lane Stadium, Blacksburg, Virginia Tech. I got a question for you guys. Because y'all grew up playing the video game just like I did. Sure did. Was this game, was was this stadium as tough to play in as it felt like in real life? Like, I always hated having to go on the road and playing in Blacksburg. Are you asking me for video games? Was yes. it tough to play in? 
No, I was able to deal with the crowd noise pretty well. <laughs> I hit the mute button, and it was all good well, I mean, from like, there. You know, like, you know, like, like, like certain stadiums, they made it really tough yeah, to Yeah, he talked about yet. when they had the stadium meter, which was lit, and the, it would yeah, make your control honestly, rattle the sta- and all that. The stadium meter, it didn't do anything yes, to me. Yes, it did, because it, I think it was the second season they you had it. You don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Your joystick would rattle, but your players, remember, it could mess up them hearing if you change plays and stuff like that. They would, You would have miscommunication. To be fair, I guess it depends on what year. Oh, 06 is what I was playing. Mm-hmm. Was it a part of the 06 video game? Because well, I, I do remember the stadium noise, and I remember yeah. your controller would vibrate, but I don't know. Maybe I was playing too much. I remember the one with Larry Fitzgerald that was actually trash. That was like 02? You could have miscommunications with guys based on how loud the stadium was, and if you had a young player, they wouldn't play as good when you played in loud stadiums. Well, I was only doing race for the Heisman, and so my guy was so good it didn't bother okay. him anyway. Yeah, but I'll say Lane Stadium was one of the stadiums I never got to play in, but definitely one of the environments and one of the things that you hate about Virginia Tech not being as good because Lane Stadium, when they're good, it's a hell of a place to go in and get a win. I think most people are surprised at how low it is on the list now because Lane Stadium, with it having among the better traditions in college football, especially with how raucous that crowd can get, that's what they live for in Blacksburg. So I think Lane Stadium, I think most people would say they deserve to be higher, but they're number four on your list. Yeah, you know, look, post the Frank Beamer area, it's been more like Lane Stadium in Blacksburg if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's pretty easy to follow. Lame stadium. I, I got you. <laughs> What's next on the list? Number three. <laughs> Number three. If you know what I mean. More like Lame <laughs> Stadium, am I right? <laughs> you know, this guy knows what I'm talking about. We're going to go to my neck of the woods, and this is probably where the controversy is going to set in. I put my beloved Keenan Stadium number three, kind of like The Office. Remember The Office, very beginning, you have downsizing, and it makes the company a lot more efficient. Keenan Stadium's environment's gotten better since they lowered the seat capacity. They took roughly, I think, 13,000 seats out of Keenan Stadium. It's made for a better game day environment. And I would argue, kind of like with Carter Finley, night games at Keenan Stadium, one of the more underrated environments in the ACC. Yeah, we have, I'm looking at one article. It's on Sports Illustrated, the best stadiums in the ACC. And the write-up on North Carolina is, if you really wanted to argue for North Carolina being a tier below, you would probably win. It's a pretty basic stadium, but I like its lower slung bowl shape, the different types of boxes on the top, uh, top of each side. It adds an interesting touch as well. And so, plus with the pine trees that you can see from every angle in Keenan Stadium, it's very aesthetically pleasing. But how is it to play... On the football field, West Bryant, because I don't have that experience. I do have it in video games, but I'm not going to ask myself about the video game experience. Yeah, the there. times I played in Keenan, the one time I did, it was a day game. Uh, but, yeah, I think they do have a pretty good environment when North Carolina's good. They, they they get pretty lit in there, especially, like Fiddy said, for the night games. I, I'll give them that much. Okay, so number three on the list is Keenan Stadium. Tell us what's next. Number two. Number two, we go to another game. That on the video game, it was a pain to play in. <laughs> and that's Dope Campbell Stadium. And maybe the reason why I'm so high on Florida State this year is because I want them to be good. Because night games at the Doke, it's the reason why Wes fell in love with them. It's one of the best <laughs> environments in college football. Their entrance is right up there with the Virginia Techs, with the Clemsons, with the USC's around the sport. So 
Dope Campbell Stadium, number two for me. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. I, what I was going to say was that this write-up, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, Wes, you would know as well as anybody, but this write-up has Florida State Stadium looking a lot like a version of North Carolina's Keenan Stadium, except that there's more history built within Florida State because their program has just been better for a lot longer under the Bobby Bowden era. Something you agree with and just your own thoughts. Yeah, and I mean, it's a very tight visitor's locker room. I'll tell you that much. They don't give you a lot of room to breathe up in there. <laughs> Uh, you sit down there in the bowels of the stadium. You can hear the crowd. You the hear the flyover. The yeah, for sure. And then you come out, man. We played them on a day. Yes. Bobby Bowden was setting some type of record. Lord knows uh, it was so hot. Some cheating record? Uh, we came out, and we were beating them at first, and then uh, we ended up losing. They came back on us. But uh, it's a pretty good place to play. Not as loud as you would think because the stadium's a little bit more spread out. So, uh, you know, we could hear – the calls and all that stuff just fine but yeah Bill Campbell for sure and and Chief Osceola's entrance or excuse me they told me at media day it's no longer Chief Osceola it's just Osceola his entrance into the stadium is one of the greatest in college football and it gets both teams hyped real quickly who were the stars on the Florida State team that you played uh Buster Davis Leon Washington um Greg Carr um, were they good when you played them? Yeah, they were good. Okay. Uh, then who was Chris the, Oh, who was the D-tackle? It was Cam Wembley. That was my assignment for the day. First round pick of the Browns. Chris we got Ricks, into was it he a quarterback? Few times. Uh, yes, I think so. And then Cam Wembley and I got into it a little bit uh, out there as well. And you showed him what was up. Yeah. This I, is how uh, Wake Forest does it, Cam. Yeah, I laid out Ernie Sims one time, and we got into probably one of my worst verbal altercations out there on the field. We got into it pretty good. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, please. All right. Sounds good. Top one. <laughs> what you got today? Number one. Number one, it's the it's the stadium that made me fall in love with college football. That's Memorial Stadium, also known as Death Valley. Went there on a school field trip my freshman year to watch Clemson play Furman. Watch them run down the hill. It's the greatest 25 seconds in college football, and I was sold. So, Wes, this is another one I'm interested to go to you on because mm -hmm. when you played Clemson, mm -hmm. Clemson was not anywhere close to this good. Mm -hmm. How much does this stadium benefit from a team that has recently developed their college football history to when you were playing, they might have a tradition, but it didn't mean as much because they weren't as good? Yeah, I mean, they were still solid, still one of the best teams in the ACC when we went there. I only got to play there once. I really hated that. Somehow we played them twice in Winston just once uh, at Death Valley and so when we did play there we lost in overtime to a uh, bad call they cheated us on a pass interference straight trash but uh, when you talk about places to play the grass Everything about that place, man, it's just magical. You loved it even then. Oh, yeah. It's just magical, man. And uh, when they run down the hill, I did run close to the hill, though, in motion for them to come down and tell them, come on down here so we can whoop y'all's ass. Oh, I love Wes but, was the uh, fiery guy, man. I love Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely got as close to the West. hill as I could in motion for them to come on down. And so we played an epic Epic game, and, and real quick, just the, the the crazy part of the game was we were kind of getting beat early. I think it was 14 nothing, and then we're blocking. Ben Mark just throws up a prayer, and then I didn't play with my contacts in because I didn't really have to. I was close to the you know guys I had to block. He throws up a prayer. Jason Anderson, Butler High School, my man, he catches the ball on a play that we thought was a surefire interception, goes 80 yards, and the game was on from there. 
That's tough. I like. I want to <laughs> know some of the problems you had playing without your contacts, though. It wasn't bad. It was because I, I when I would hit people, they would come out. You would just aim for the middle guy if you saw three of them. Right, at right. You. Yeah, when I would hit people, they would come out. So I just stopped wearing them. Um, did football Jesus play for Clemson at that time? Charlie Whitehurst. Yeah, I think so. Yes, because I know right. we beat the fool out of them in Winston Salem <laughs> with Charlie Whitehurst. I like this list. It's drumming up a lot of drama on the text line. People just flabbergasted that you would have Keenan over Lane Stadium. But it's not their list, Fiddy. It's yours. Fiddy's favorites. I know. No Wake Forest Stadium. And we have one of the best small stadiums in the country. Let's talk more about it on the other side of the break. <laughs> one more hour to go. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.